Today's episode of Pod Cemetery is brought to you by witches. Witches, they work only with magic. Welcome to Pod Cemetery, where we dissect horror movies like the rotting corpses that they are. My name is Chris. My name is Kelsey. And for our classic horror movie today, we are watching 1990s Witches, based on the Roald Dahl classic and including puppets and makeup effects by, by Jim, Jim Henson. Henson. Kelsey? Yes. What's this movie about? This movie is about a young boy who lives with his grandmother because his parents died and his grandmother gets sick. So they have to take a seaside trip. She gets diabetes. I'm Wilfred Brimley. And I'd like to talk to you for a few minutes about diabetes. <laughs> and he does say that he does say diabetes, <laughs> diabetes, diabetes. <laughs> and so they go to a hotel on the seaside of England and they just happen to be there at the same time as a convention for all of the witches of England. Yeah, I know. It's pretty nuts. Pretty coincidental. And uh, anyway, they the f- find out about it, and then they go to work to try to take down those bitches. <laughs> oh, I meant witches. <laughs> no, I didn't. <laughs> all right, we're going to watch witches. So if you haven't seen it, go ahead and watch it now. Uh, pause, and then come on back, and we'll discuss 1990s witches. From the incredible imagination of Jim Henson and director Nicholas Rogue comes a fascinating new fantasy adventure. The Witches. For when a little boy accidentally stumbles into their secret world, he finds they've got a lot more power than he ever imagined. Grandma, it's me, Luke. They turn me into a mouse. Join Luke on his remarkable journey. Bye. Now, the witches are on his tail. Whoa. And he must scurry around their evil plots. Oh. Squeak past every danger. Ow. Finally setting the trap Whoa. Whoa. that will save the world from the witches. Yeah, Kelsey, the witches. Where do you want to start? Let's start by talking about Roald Dahl. Okay. Let's start by talking about Roald Dahl. He didn't like this movie. He didn't like it because he did not like the ending. Well, he also was appalled by, quote, the vulgarity, the bad taste, and the actual terror in certain parts of the film. Did you find the source for that? Because I saw that quote, too, and I could not find the source. So I don't know if I believe it. I did, however, find an interview with him where he talked at length about how much he disliked the ending. Okay, now let's talk about the ending. In the end... Um, let's just the... skip the rest of the movie. And just no, it's fine. We, it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. In the end of the movie, the secretary witch who quits because she's so mistreated decides she's going to use her powers for good, who tracks down Luke and his grandmother and, and turns Luke... Back into a human being from a mouse. In the spoilers, he was a mouse. They've already seen the movie at this no, point. No, I know. It's just that we skipped the whole. Rest I don't of the care. Movie. It's fine. We don't need to go plot point by plot point. Let's okay. go topic by topic. Okay. Now that's different from Doll's book, 
because in his book, he stays a mouse forever. And we assume that he dies at an early age because mice don't live that long. Yes. Which is confusing. Okay, so I decided to read the book. I am a huge Roald Dahl fan. One of my favorite books growing up was Matilda. I absolutely love James and the Giant Peach. I absolutely love Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. The Twits. I can't remember his name. Marvin's Marvelous Medicine? I feel like his name wasn't Marvin. Anyway, a whole bunch of them and a bunch of his short stories. I absolutely loved reading Roald Dahl, but I didn't read The Witches because this movie terrified me as a child. Anyway, my point is I decided to read it now that I'm an adult and it doesn't scare me anymore. I haven't gotten yet to the ending, so I don't know, but... In the middle of the book, after he's been changed into a mouse, it's made very clear that the potion that they have concocted does not actually turn them into a mouse. Because if it did, they wouldn't be able to talk. And so they said that it's kind of only halfway done, is how they explain it. The point is that you're supposed to turn into a mouse, and adults who are afraid of mice, especially women, will kill all the mice, and then all the children will die. But in the book, they specifically say, clearly you're not an actual mouse or you would not be able to talk. So this strikes me, this whole thing strikes me as a P.L. Travers sort of situation. What the fuck is with people who wrote children's books in the first half of the 1900s or even in the 1800s who hate whimsy, who hate children? Like, what the fuck is up with that? Like, they always hate the adaptations because they're too fanciful. Like, who are you writing books for? They're writing books for children and they need to be prim and proper and nobody does anything quite ridiculous. Like, what the fuck is the point of writing children's books then? Well, He seems like a curmudgeon. Probably a Nazi, but also a curmudgeon. Yes, unfortunately I found out as an adult that Roald Dahl was a very racist man. Which made me very sad. <laughs> but we can still enjoy his literature, so... P.L. Travers wrote Mary Poppins, by the way. I don't know if I said that. (laughs) So, Roald Dahl, many of his books contain lots of tragedy, scary things that happen to children. And you would think that he probably had a really fucked up childhood, but he's quoted famously as saying, no, I had a lovely childhood. I just, it's more interesting when things happen like that. Yeah, he has quite the imagination. It's really fucked up. And they actually filmed both endings. They filmed the book ending and they filmed the happy ending that they put into the movie. And they tested it and test audiences, of course, wanted the happy ending. When Roald Dahl originally saw the original ending, he cried. He said it was so beautiful. He said it was perfect. And then they changed it and he hated it. Yeah. He wanted that tragic ending. <laughs> I mean, I think I think the, the the point is is that it's not really tragic because even as a mouse, like Luke never seems chuffed about anything really. Oh, in the book, Doll makes a point of constantly reminding the reader how much he enjoys being a mouse. Right. Yeah. So like he's a mouse in the end and he loved the mice that he had. He was obsessed with like building mazes for them. And he wanted them to be circus mice. Right. Yeah. And so now that he's a mouse, he can actually do that stuff. And so he and his grandmother designed all these elaborate systems and tracks and trains and stuff like that for him to play around in. And he was having a blast, but he would never be a kid again. I think that's very kind of short sighted. You know, it's like, yeah, hey, have a blast. Don't think too much about this. But of course, you're going to think too much about it. And you're going to think about the fact that he's a mouse for forever. And 
There's a lot of things you can't do as a mouse that you can do as a child who grows up to be an adult. Um, you're going to die early. There's, if you think too much about it, it is actually very tragic. And I think that's the problem is it's it's this certain sense of British old timey whimsy where, oh, it just sounds so oh, isn't that just so neat? You know, like, yeah. But if you think about it for more than two seconds, it's terrifying. <laughs> so if this is a movie where kids are probably going to see it multiple times, like you're probably going to think about it more than once. And it's going to, you're going to have one of those, you know, what culture videos or whatever, or Cracked or whomever on YouTube talking about how Raul Dahl's The Witches is secretly terrifying. And one of the reasons is because he's a mouse for forever and he's going to die young. And so, yes, of course you need to turn that around. But let Let's it's a children's forget, story. Let's not forget how many of Roald Dahl's books end with tragedy. I mean, there's a very specific short story that haunted both me and my brother as children. Now, I, I haven't read it since I was a kid, so I could be getting this wrong, but basically the kid loves birds. What is the book? It's a short story. It's what is the short called, story called? I don't remember what it's called. Okay. But so there's this kid and he is taunted by these bullies and he loves birds. And at one point they force him to like make his own wings and they do it with dead birds. And then they basically push him off of a cliff to see if he'll fly. And he flies. No, I'm pretty sure that's how it ends. So you're just supposed to assume that the Jesus Christ. Dead. And that's what I'm talking about. That's who Roald Dahl was as a writer. So it makes sense that he would not be happy with that. That's ending. why it also doesn't make sense that he would be appalled at the vulgarity and the bad taste and actual terror. That's why I don't necessarily yeah. believe that quote. If you can find the source, I would love to know. That would be really good. But mm -hmm. I unfortunately cannot. <laughs> he also... Um, he was, I don't know why he kept selling his movies to Hollywood, because he was not a fan of Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory to a certain extent. He had requested that they that they cast Spike Milligan as Willy Wonka. Who's that? Spike Milligan is a British character actor you've never heard of. He's okay. A he's, a, <laughs> he's a television actor in British television. And instead, they cast Gene Wilder, and obviously everyone fucking loves that. History proves Roald Dahl wrong about that one. I'm sorry. It absolutely does. Uh, but he stopped, supposedly, he stopped making those sorts of requests. He's just like, I'm not going to get my way and I'm just going to be upset about it. So uh, he didn't make any requests about this current one. And they they ended up casting Angelica Houston as the Grand High Witch. Who did he originally... He originally wanted someone else. She was on his list. Oh, she was. Yeah, oh, oh, that's uh -huh. right. It made him very happy that she right. got it. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. She was great. Which let's talk she about was her. Fantastic. She is so scary. Um, oh yeah, as a kid, this movie frightened me. I'm going to talk about the camera work in a little bit, but that definitely contributed to it. But she is. Huh. She's an amazing actress. From what I've read, she was really nervous about doing it because she didn't want to spend all that time in the makeup. Yeah. Because it was like eight hours. Of makeup time to get ready for that I don't know role. how people do that much makeup. Like, do they get to watch movies? How do they deal with that? I don't know. But she said she was happy because she only had to do it for, like, three weeks of filming or something. Or, or an even shorter time. So she said it wasn't that bad. And she said she loves to watch it with her grandkids and stuff because she loves that it terrifies children, which is great. Oh, and the reason she was so worried about the makeup is because she had done all that makeup for Captain EO. Yes. And she had hated that. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, so she hated that makeup you process. Think me beautiful? Is that what she says in that <laughs> yes. Captain EO, I think? Yes. Yeah. You think me 
beautiful. <laughs> Angelica Houston is phenomenal as this horrifying Grand High Witch. So the Grand High Witch is in charge of all of the witches all over the world. And every year, all of the countries, each one has their own big convention. convention. And she goes and she tries to whip up more enthusiasm to kill children and if you've ever been to like a convention for your job (laughs) it's very much like that except with magic and evil yes so jim henson was in charge of the puppets puppets. and did he then do her makeup i'm fairly certain well not him but his studio did yeah 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 so it is so frightening, which isn't that surprising if you go back and you look through Jim Henson's repertoire. I mean, The Dark Crystal is also very terrifying if you rewatch it. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so this woman, they do such a good job with her. So witches are bald. They do not have hair. Witches have claw-like hands, so they have um, gloves. So they always wear gloves. They don't have toes. They have square feet. Uh-huh. And there's something else that I'm missing. Uh, they get they get the the scalp itch from wearing because the wigs. they wear wigs so that they they so that they appear as normal people. Uh, but their so eyes. Their eye. Well, in the film, their eyes are purple tinged. In the book, it's that you can see like fire burning in their pupils and Jesus. stuff like that. But she's the Grand High Witch, so she's even more foul and disgusting than all the others. She's got a humpback, which gets hidden somehow. Somehow. I don't know. It's magic. It's magic. Exactly. She wears a a mask, and then she takes it off. And I I remember watching this as a kid and just so frightened. Knowing that Luke was right there (laughs) hiding and they didn't know he was there, like as a child really freaked me out. Mm-hmm. There's nowhere for him to go. He's in this room full of all these evil witches. He's going to die mm-hmm. if he gets caught. Like that that really freaked me out as a kid. So this is I I don't think I I don't have any problem with calling it a a horror movie at all. Yes, it's a children's horror movie, but it's a horror movie nonetheless. Oh yes, and so she takes off this mask and the face is so good. So good. And she's just she spends the next 15 minutes or so walking around in this outfit and the makeup, the mask and everything with the extended fingernails, just giving her little speech, turning witches into dust when they talk back. She owns this scene. Mm -hmm. Like it is incredibly good. And she does this awesome and it's from the book. She has an awesome accent and yet you can still understand every word accent. that she says, yeah. mm-hmm. which does take talent. I mean, she's an English speaker and putting on an accent and still articulating to the point that you can understand her is pretty awesome. Do I make myself clear? And she's got this huge nose. And in the book, she's described as her face, according to Luke, looks like it's decaying, it's Mm. rotting, and they show that. Yeah. And it is so good. Jim Henson was a genius. All the effects with getting the mask on and back off again were really good. They had transitional... Very seamless. They had transitional masks so they can cut away and then cut back and they're halfway done. And so good. There's one shot where she's putting on a mask of her face, right? They cut away at just the right time so it looks like she's putting on a mask of her face over over her real witch face. And then... You kind of look away and then look back and it's actually her. 
like I imagine that the that it was just her normal face under the mask, and she just takes it down and shows it. But it's seamless, mm-hmm. it's so so good. So shall we talk about the puppets? Since we're still on the subject of Jim Henson, yeah, let's or talk about we... the, well, let's talk about Jim Henson a little bit more here. Yeah, this is the last movie that a studio worked on that he was personally involved in. Aww. He died just over a week before the movie actually came out in theaters. By the way, listeners, if you are a fan of Jim Henson, oh my god, you're you gonna make want, me cry, and aren't you? Want you want to cry your fucking eyes Aww. out? Look up on YouTube. Jim Henson's funeral. So they televised his oh funeral. Oh god. And they have they have some of the Muppets like sing and stuff like that. They have Big Bird sing and it is so sad. Yeah, Carol Spinney, the guy who's been Big Bird for like ever, is in that suit and you ever feel like crying. And watch oh my that god, video. and you can tell he's on the verge of tears as he's singing. Mm-hmm. And oh god, Jim Henson was really, really great, and he is definitely missed. Thank you, Kermit. And you can you can see the contribution of his studio to this movie. It's all over it. With the the witches, of course, and the tracks and everything like that that he does for the for the mice for for when he's a mouse and stuff like that. You can see it's very whimsical stuff that they do. And the mice look pretty good. And the mice themselves. The mice look really good. Like there's no confusing them for real mice, right? right? You're never gonna think they're real. It's but... very obvious when it's actually a mouse and when it's not a mouse. Like that one scene where the mouse is is crawling out from under the rug and he has the potion tied to his tail. Like that's an actual mouse with a potion tied to its tail. <laughs> you can you can really train mice. It was very cool. They made these models in different sizes. And so there were there were some that were only slightly bigger, which were the ones that you saw from far away, and they were actually in the real world, like in her bag and stuff like that. And they'd they'd be able to talk a little bit. Then there were some that were slightly bigger than that that could articulate a little bit more. And then there were some that were pretty big for close-ups and stuff like that, but they didn't get used that often. Also, we should talk about, since we're talking about when they are mice, how good the kids' voiceover acting was. Luke is great. Not so much when he's a human because his face isn't great. Yeah. But his voice. Jesus Christ, Kelsey. (laughs) No, no, I don't mean as in like cute. He has an ugly face. No, no, no. I mean that his face doesn't really show his emotion, but you can hear it in his voice. And when he's a mouse, he makes you laugh several times. He makes you sad several times. His name is Jason Fisher. He's very good. Yeah. Very, very good. Let's talk about why the witches hate children so much. Why do they hate the children so much? A lot of people say that there's not a good enough reason. But the the reason that I always believed from the film is now confirmed by reading the book. It is simply because children smell like dog shit Mm -hmm. to the witches. The dining room will be full of filthy children and without your nose plugs, the stink will be unbearable. If you can imagine... Every time you walk around, if there are children around you, all you can smell is dog shit. You'd probably hate kids, too. And the movie, the, I don't know about the book, but the movie does acknowledge the difference between a good witch and an evil witch. And most witches are evil. But theoretically, you could use your powers for good if you wanted to. As far as I have read, but there's these are, nothing about good witches. But these are evil witches. Like, I think that's the thing is just don't get too hung up on it. They're witches. Witches hate children. Whether they want to kill them or eat them or what else turn them into paintings right yeah oh my god what a really cool haunting thing to put that's in the story but yeah go ahead and explain what happens so when the children disappear they don't explain exactly how it happens 
But when they, when they get rid of the children, they put them in the paintings where they will move when nobody's looking. They will grow old and eventually die spending their entire lives in that painting. It's so creepy. Yeah. It's really fucking creepy. Now, the book gives way more different ways that they do it. But I think the film showed it. And you got to watch this young girl grow old in the painting and then just disappear. And it's really sad. That was one of the grandma's friends. Yes. And the grandma was cool as tits, man. She was <laughs> awesome. Um, the grandmother played by Mai Zetterling, who... Uh, was a famous actress. Yeah. Didn't know Austrian that. actress. That's her, by the way. I'm showing Kelsey a picture. She's very pretty. She was beautiful. She was so great. So there's some things about her character and the things about the actor that I want to talk about. First of all, she smoked cigars, and that was so cool. <laughs> Having an old lady smoking cigars is one of the coolest things ever. And they, the doctor gets on her once for smoking the cigars, and she does it anyway. Her son, her grandson gets gets on her for doing it, and she does it anyway. She's missing her pinky finger, which in the book it's her thumb, mm-hmm. I believe. Yeah. Yes. I assume they got somebody who was really missing their pinky I finger. I if she was actually missing her pinky th- finger. That was something I didn't I read anything about up. that, but it looked hell of realistic. So that was really neat. I like that a lot. And I love that she was just like, at first you're thinking, oh man, she's one of those grandparents who totally indulges the fantasies of their grandchildren. And she was just feeding him more and more and more and more of this stuff. But then it turns out that that at least some of it's true. So can all of it be true? And then I think it becomes pretty obvious. They don't talk about it so much in the book direct or in the movie directly. I think they do in the book. That she's obviously an ex witch hunter. Yes, I can't. I can't right now remember what they're called in the book, but yes, she is a witch hunter. It, it has its own title. At one, and she at one point, for the Grand High Witch her whole life and couldn't right. find her. And now it just happens to be this way because she gets diabetes. Treat your diabetes, which uh, in the book is pneumonia. At one point, Angelica Houston has her asleep, maybe dead. We don't know at the time in her bed, and. Tells Luke that, oh, she's an old adversary of hers. An old adversary, I have discovered. Very old. That's the only comment we get on it in the movie. But in the book, it's a little more explicit. Yeah, she's basically put her into a sugar coma because she's got diabetes. Diabetes. And she basically Uh is saying, I'll kill your grandmother. Right, but why doesn't she anyway? I don't get that point. She should have just killed her. Because the grandma is instrumental in... And taking down this woman, you know, even though Luke does a lot and how they do it, putting that mouse potion into the soup that they're having for their private party at this resort. And so all of the witches turn into mice themselves, including the Grand High Witch and Rowan Atkinson chops her up with a butcher's knife with the meat cleaver, I think, actually. Yes. Uh, Rowan Atkinson's really great in this. You know what? Okay, can I talk about this? I'm going to talk about this. This is kind of a side note. (laughs) Rowan Atkinson, I know and love. Obviously, he's Mr. Bean. He's uh, in Black Adder. He is in Hot Shots Part Deux, which is probably what I first ever saw him in. He's in this, of course. I love him from Four Weddings and a Funeral. Yes, he's a priest in Four Weddings and a Funeral. One of my favorite Disney movies of all time growing up was The Lion King. If you were to break Disney movies into classic and contemporary and then like the Pixar era with the 3D stuff. My my favorite contemporary 2D 
Disney movie is The Lion King. I'd get home from school and I'd watch it every day. And it never occurred to me until I was sitting watching this movie this time that Zazu is Rowan Atkinson. I had no idea. <laughs> I feel such an idiot. Like I'm listening, I'm listening to him and I'm like, yes, that is Rowan Atkinson. I know Rowan Atkinson's voice. I, like I it doesn't but then I'm also like, but but why does that remind me of something? It reminds me of something. And I'm like, oh my god, it's Zazu. <laughs> Oh, I've got a lovely bunch of coconuts, deedly deedy. Anyway, that's that's that I'm done talking about that. <laughs> <laughs> I want to talk about the camera work. There's a lot of, and I can't remember the the term for it, but the camera isn't the camera is like a handheld camera. It has a wide angle lens lens on it, so you get slight distortion, like a fisheye kind of look to it. Uh, and they use that for close-ups and action shots, and it's supposed to give you two things. One, the impression that you're small and that they're big, and it, it's an erraticism where it's always shaking and moving around. And, and it adds, I think, to the terror, especially when he's a little kid and he's getting chased by all these witches right before he gets turned into a mouse. And so they find him yeah. and they go after him, but he gets away for a little while. And there's a really He saves a baby shape. from going off a cliff. Yes, he does. <laughs> and then he ends up getting caught and they bring him back in and they, and they give him the potion and they turn him into a mouse. But it has a lot of those sort of wide angle shots that are shaky and zoom in. And it's very erratic. And I think that adds to the tension. One line that I found very strange, and it's in the book as well. Luke says to his grandmother when she's describing what witches look like, how to spot them, what they do, etc. Luke, of course, is skeptical. And he says, you know, if, you, if you've never seen the Grand High Witch, how do you know she exists? And the grandmother says, no one's ever seen the devil, but everyone knows he exists. So if no one's seen the Grand High Witch, how are you sure she exists? Nobody's ever seen the devil. But we know he exists, don't we? Whatever, Grandma. Yeah, exactly. I think it's interesting <laughs> that he, there's this world where, like, no, we just accept that the devil is real, is a real person, and so therefore witches are real people. But everyone agrees that the, the devil is real, so that's an interesting take on the world. So there's this really sad part right before the parents die. The mom, I mean, you barely get to meet the parents, but the mom comes in to say goodnight. And Luke grabs his mom's hand as if he knows that she's going to die. You know, and they do that in a lot of books and movies where you do things. Um, the first one that comes to mind is It when he says, I love you, Georgie, right before uh -huh. Georgie dies. Yeah. But they don't even, they don't make a big deal out of it. He just grabs her by the hand mm -hmm. and then she just walks away. And it's such a sad moment when you know what's going to happen. And kids movies in the 80s were sad. I guess this is 1990, but still it's. It counts as the 80s. I call lightning round. Okay. So let's hear it. Let's hear it. Let's hear your comments. Why does he call his mom mum if he's clearly American? Well, they spend a lot of time in England. That's where they are, obviously, when they're at the resort. He's growing up in Europe. The point is, is that when his parents die, they're going to move back to America. So in the whole entire movie, none of it takes place in America. There's a wonderfully creepy line when he when he meets the wit a witch for the first time. He's up in his treehouse. Oh my god, that <laughs> fucking witch is terrifying. <laughs> she is so freaky. So she doesn't look scary because, of course, she has to look like a normal human being when she's out in the normal world. 
Eh, she looks pretty scary. And she and she takes out a snake and she's trying to get him to come down, etc. And of course, Luke, being warned about what, who what witches look like and what they will act like, starts calling for his grandmother. Her name is Anne Lambton. And she very creepily says with this big smile on her face, she can't hear you. Yeah. She can't hear you. So scary. So she's in The Witches. She's in Howard's End. She's in Love is the Devil. And she's in American History X. As who? Cassandra. Does that ring any bells for you? Who is Cassandra in that movie? Oh, man. (laughs) She is so scary. I have that written down here. I have it. Jesus, the witch that tries to give him the snake. (laughs) And she's in it continually. And then she takes out her, um, what do they call false teeth? Uh, Her dentures? No, no, covers. Oh. Oh, flippers. Flippers. She takes out her flippers and she has these fucked up teeth and she takes off her her wig. I didn't catch that she was in the... Yeah, oh, that makes yeah. sense, but I didn't catch that she was. She in totally the convention. is. Okay, let's talk about the witches in the convention. Ah! Most, most of them are men. Yes, and it's so obvious. <laughs> so obvious, but the point is, they're supposed to be hideous women. It's true. I mean, you probably couldn't get away with that in today's day and age, <laughs> for good reason. But at the time, you know, that's they were just trying to show these are not. And what you would it would expect be easier to, to get like. them to be able to take off wigs and be bald underneath. Right, That'd exactly. You wouldn't have to put any makeup on them or anything like that. Uh, Michael Palin is in the audience. He's one of the guys from Monty Python. He's the short, cute one. Don't he's, know he's who the, he's talking about. He's I, the cute one. <laughs> I am not a big. I am not a big Monty Python fan. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what I'm doing here. I should go. I should go. I love how 80s everything is in this movie. All the furniture, all the clothing. It's so wonderful. Where did the grandma get all her money? I want to know. But then I imagine it's from hunting those witches and stealing their fortunes. Which she does in this case. Takes all the money. Okay. For a good cause. I know. But all this money was supposed to be used for every single one of these witches to open up a candy shop. And not just any candy shop, the best, most highly regarded candy shops. Right. That's probably a billion dollars in cash. Mm -hmm. Like, that's insane. Mm -hmm. So rich. And a book full of the names and addresses of all the witches in America, which is where uh, the Grand High Witch was going to go next. So they're going to use that money to go after the American witches. Like setting up a sequel that never came. I'm not sure why, but okay, so there's this other kid that he meets in the hotel named Bruno. He's just this fat- We haven't talked about Bruno this entire time. No, we haven't. Bruno's a fuck up. He is an (laughs) idiot and I hate him. Yes, Roald Dahl did not like fat children. He no. Many times he. In I mean, his just books. watch Willy Wonka. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, there's even more examples than that. He hates fat children. Uh-huh. He thinks that they are dunces, that they are useless, etc. So yeah, Roald Dahl's an awful human being. <laughs> <laughs> so this fat kid, his name is Bruno, and he's the first example that the witch that the Grand High Witch uses to show that her yeah. concoction works. They summon him with chocolate. They they tempt him with chocolate. Yep. That lady promised me six whole bars of cream whipped hazelnut milk chocolates. I've come to collect. Ladies, may I introduce Bruno? Just at the right time that he's going to turn into a mouse, 
And he does. And he is just, he doesn't even realize he's a mouse at first until Luke tells him he is. Stupid he is. He's living in the floorboards and he doesn't realize he's a mouse. He has no idea. All he needs to do is say hello to his parents and he can't bother to do that because he wants the grapes that are on the table or the olives or whatever it was. In in the book, it's explained, it, long explanation, but basically he's got his mouth full and so he can't talk. Yeah, because he's a fat idiot, yep. according to Roald Dahl. Yes. But the weird thing is, his lines are dubbed throughout the movie. I don't know if you noticed that, but the, mm. the words don't match his mouth. And I wondered, I, was, I, I don't know if it's Sometimes the same. Sometimes it's just standard ADR stuff where they didn't have a good take or they didn't have good audio and they just have him come in after the fact and record it. It's, it just happens sometimes, especially in movies in the 80s. I've seen this movie a bunch and I am never prepared for when the Grand High Witch steps on the Chef Witch who tries out the soup for the first time and tries to warn everybody. She turns into a mouse and the Grand High Witch just fucking stomps her. Because she thinks it's one of the kids. Right. And then green goo everywhere. Like, I am never ready for that. It is shocking and disgusting every single time. Something I noticed for the first time, this, and I've seen this movie so many times, when the Grand High Witch is up in front of all of the other witches, it's done so subtly. There's so much subtle stuff to this film. I bet you could keep finding new stuff. Her, When her moods change, the lights flicker or the lights get oh, brighter. Oh, I didn't even notice that. I know. I've never noticed it either. I just happened to notice. I was like, why are the lights flickering? And then I realized the mood she was having. And then I noticed when she got like really angry, the lights got really bright. And this is a term we've used before. It's diegetic. Mm -hmm. It's not just mood lighting for the purpose of the movie. It's actually happening in real life uh, in the scene. Speaking of the Grand High Witch, I love... That she's still wearing makeup and her earrings after she transforms. It's so great. <laughs> she's an evil, disgusting witch face, still wearing that eyeshadow and the lipstick. Still got her earrings on, which is weird because that's underneath the mask. I, I don't know. There's a funny um, line by one of the witches after the other witch has been killed. So, of course, they're all terrified. She stands up and she goes, what does it do? genius one like she says it's so <laughs> weird and it's oh man so the strange. groveling witches are so great what did it do genius one how they they're just trying not to piss her off it's so fantastic and when bruno comes in to change did you notice that she's like gyrating and breathing all heavy because i guess it's supposed to show that she's excited yeah but she's uh -huh. like fucking oh no pumping the air like yeah. it's weird looking she's orgasming that right? is happening yes, yes absolutely all right any last minute comments for the witches um, or just witches i should say okay so we talked about the babies the witches almost going off of the cliff yeah why doesn't the mother seem to notice like all the witches that are crowding around right. her yeah, yeah, yeah. notice because that her child's about to go off a cliff th kelsey th they're running after the sun she doesn't realize that the woman pushed her baby like it's just this she woman is a complete idiot. All she cares about the fact is that, her, is that her baby's about to go off a cliff. That's all she can focus on because she's a mother. And how did no one else notice that all these women are running after this little boy? Like, no one notices this? It's a hotel that is a lot of people are staying there. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But mostly witches. Did you notice at the end, when she becomes a good witch, she's wearing all white? Yes. Uh, well, aren't you smart? All right. Question for you then, Kelsey. Rotten Tomatoes. What do you think? 84. I would not be surprised if it was higher, but I'd be very surprised if it was lower. The Witches. It's right there. Oh, honey. there it is. 
hundred percent. One hundred percent. Based on how many? I'm about to find out. Based on thirty-three reviews. That all is all thirty-three. Awesome. That's our first hundred percent. Overrated, I'll say. <laughs> Like, yes, yeah. I would give it a fresh review, but that's a fresh or, or, or rotten, right? I would not give it 100%. I probably would have given it an 88%. Only because it suffers from 80s coloring. It suffers from... Because this was made in the 80s. It came out in 1990, but they had actually made it three years prior or something, something like, like that. that. Yeah. And... Um, it suffers from 80s technology. It suffers from 80s coloring. The kid isn't a great actor when he's a kid. Um, Bruno's I'm, over the top. I'm really impressed that this is what... I, I This would have been a really good animated movie, and they ended up doing it live action, doing it justice. Uh, especially when you look at the cover and you see Luke as a mouse, and it's obviously like a cartoon mouse, and you see... The Grand High Witch wearing these this flowing robe with the hood and everything. It's like this, uh, I don't know, what color would you call that? Purple. Purp- I, I mean, I guess it's purple. Um, and, and it looks incredible and intense. And it's like, oh, man. And then you watch the movie and no, all this shit's in it. It's all in the movie. Like, they captured all of it. I, it's really, really good. I would probably give it the same in 88 or something similar. If you have not seen The Witches yet and you listen to all of this, please go back and watch this movie. It's very, very good. Watch it with your kids. Terrify them. Scar them for life. Yes. it, it It's so funny because it's definitely a kid's movie, but it is so frightening for children. That is 1990s The Witches. Bitches back only with magic. Kelsey. Do you know what we're watching next? We are watching The Conjuring next. What's The Conjuring about? The Conjuring is about a witch as well and her curse over a house. Yes, really, really excited. Uh, It comes from James Wan, who does Insidious and several other movies. And a sexy Patrick Wilson. Yeah, yeah. So we're big fans of the the Insidious movies, or at least the first two. Yes. And uh, and Conjuring. The second one. The second one's really good. It adds context to the first one. I think you're thinking of Insidious. That's We're what I said. We're talking about The Conjuring. No, I know. Oh, yes. I was talking the about The first Insidious. two Insidious movies are great. Yes. Uh, and Conjuring, I think, is right up there with those movies. Oh, yeah. Very, Especially very the good. first time you see it. Because yeah. you're not expecting... I wasn't expecting half the it stuff It takes that place happened. in the 70s? Yes. Yes. In Early the past, 70s. with the Warren couple who are famous for, I guess you could say, exorcisms. Yeah, they, I mean, they're probably most famous because they were there at the Amityville Horror. In after, real life, they're a real in couple. In real life, yes. And it was after the whole thing take place. And this is based on a true story, as much as you choose to believe it. Right. Yeah, <laughs> no, and I'm totally fine with that. I don't believe it actually happened in real life. But I'm no, totally, they really did no. go to the house. I, no, that's what I'm saying. Oh, I don't, don't believe, believe it was it. actually haunted and that they are ghost talkers or so whatever. you don't believe in hauntings. No. I did not know that. I do not believe in hauntings. But I love these movies. So I think it's important for me to say here, I don't believe in ghosts, but I am perfectly open to them. If I ever... I think it would be dope if ghosts really exist, but I don't believe they do. If I ever saw one, I would never just say like, that's ah, just my imagination. Yeah, so many things can be explained. I I would believe it. If I saw one, I would not have a problem with believing it. All right, so we are going to watch The Conjuring. So if you haven't seen it yet, go ahead and pause right now. And when we come back, we'll talk about Conjuring. 
Right, it's 918. We're headed down into the cellar where the door's just opened on its own. You give us a sign that you want to communicate with us. What are you guys? Well, we've been called ghost hunters, paranormal researchers. But we prefer to be known simply as Ed and Lorraine Warren. There's someone here that would like to talk to you. There's something horrible happening in my house. It's November 1st, 1971. I'm sitting here with Carolyn Perrin, who, with her family, has been experiencing supernatural occurrences. You picking up anything in here, hon? Something awful happened here, Ed. Whatever Lorraine sees, feels, touches, it takes a toll on her. A little piece each time. You have a lot of spirits in here, but there's one that I'm most worried about because it is so hateful. We have to get out of here. That's not gonna help. This thing has latched itself to your family. Father, we've never seen nothing like this. I'm coming with you. No way. I can't lose you. Kelsey? Yes? What do you want to say about The Conjuring? The Conjuring is a great movie. It is a great haunted house movie, and it deals with witches, which is why we're watching it this week. Tell me, do you like haunted house movies? Haunted house movies are some of my favorite type of horror movies. Okay, so is this your favorite haunted house movie? No. What is your favorite haunted house movie? So we can get a little bit. Okay, yeah, no, I figured. I figured. (laughs) All right, so what do you want to say about it? So, The Conjuring, super good. It came out in 2013. Yeah, not that long ago. After Insidious. And Insidious 2. Was it after Insidious 2? I think it was also after Insidious 2. Well, whatever. Um, The reason I bring up Insidious is because Patrick Wilson is in both of these movies. He's dreamy. He is. He's (laughs) very dreamy. And it just kind of started this new icon of horror and this new idea that we don't have to focus on torture porn which the early 2000s oh was god most... i you know what you point that out i've never thought of it that way before this is like a good classic horror movie it's not a slasher movie mm-hmm. it's a good classic haunting movie yes but yeah it doesn't have all that torture porn shit mm-hmm. that i'm sorry if you guys are looking for us to talk about torture porn it's either either it's never going to happen or it's going to be incredibly rare we incredibly might rare, we yeah. might watch movies that we don't know are torture porn going into it right yeah no we're <laughs> going to go into some of these movies blind we haven't yet uh, except but i we went will. into bu- bug blind yes you did patrick wilson i will say has, you can't yet call it a trope, I don't think, a Patrick Wilson trope, because it's only happened twice that I can think of. But he has this thing where he's just standing there, just being normal. Hey, is everything okay? And then whoever's talking to him turns to him and goes, (gasps) and screams or freaks out or something. And he's like, what? What's going on? And then cut to him and there's something over his shoulder. So it happens in the first Insidious with the lipstick face demon. And it happens in this movie with the body hanging from the trees. Like the same exact shot. Except one's interior, one's exterior. But I really want to see more of this. <laughs> and in both in in, bo- in both uh, series, he's absolutely in love with his wife. Yes. And it's the sweetest thing. He's really good at playing love, I'd yeah. say. Uh-huh. He's a really sweet husband. Yes. 
I wouldn't mind being married to him. Neither would I. <laughs> so the movie starts off talking about Annabelle, which is important because that's where the, um, what's the name of the family? The Warrens. The Warrens. Ed and Lorraine Warren. Uh, that introduces them as characters. And I feel like they're testing the waters for the Annabelle story. Oh, they didn't God. want to do a full movie about it. But so I, but the first note I wrote was literally Annabelle sucks. Okay. So for, to be fair, we have not seen. No, the no, Annabelle no movies. interest in seeing it. No interest in seeing it. Funny story. Students of mine back when the very first Annabelle came out, they knew I was a big horror fan, and they asked me, hey, did you see Annabelle this weekend? And I said, no, because it looks stupid. And they said, good, you were right. And I was like, how so? And they were like, well, how about going to see a movie about a demonic doll where the doll never moves on screen? Yeah, no, we're told in this movie that the doll isn't possessed. Mm -hmm. The doll is manipulated by a demon trying to get you to think that it's possessed by the ghost of some young child but it's not actually and i think everyone knows this by now but the real doll was actually a raggedy ann doll mm -hmm. obviously they couldn't use raggedy ann but instead of doing a rag doll of some kind they did this weird porcelain doll that was incredibly creepy and why would anyone like, from want the get-go i mean you own some porcelain dolls i do it's true and they're creepy because they're like they're just porcelain dolls. You know what I mean? Like they're they're not They are not meant they're to not be designed scary. to be creepy. And they, Annabelle they have obviously beautiful faces. Is. Yeah. But Annabelle's face is like on purpose creepy looking. Right. And so that really like I cannot engage with that. It's it's the it right from from Jump Street, I can't care about it. Like it's it's just so obviously trying to be edgy, scary that it's not good. Um it's it's the bad part about James Wan where you, where he really shines through where he's like, ooh, isn't this creepy? <laughs> and the best times he does that is when it's really subtle, like with the clapping game in this movie, a few times. Which, by the way, who plays that game? Because it looks super dangerous. It looks super fun. It looks fun, but it also looks incredibly dangerous. You can't see fucking shit and it's, you're going to not, you're going to hit something for sure. It's Marco Polo, but in your house and... You only get so many claps to find people. I think that's really neat. I like the game. So the first thing that happens that's like really like, you know, telling you something bad is happening in this house is a dog dies. And it's very, very sad. Don't know why they didn't include a dog dying, but it's there. Uh, let's let's back up a little bit, actually. Before the dog dies, there's this really lovely tracking shot of... So you see the house for the first time from the outside and the camera kind of backs into the doorway where you see them all coming in. So you don't actually see the interior of the house until they do that segment where they're all moving in. And it's this long one where it's an uninterrupted shot and you're like following the one daughter and then it passes from one person to the next. It may be cliche, but it was really fun. I really it enjoyed well it. I thought I thought it was pretty great. And it shows it introduces you to the house in a setting that's not creepy from the word go, which I think is really good. Too many horror movies, especially with hauntings, are like, you should be creeped out. Ah, foreshadowing. So I actually made a list of all of the weird things that happen right off the bat that tell that are supposed to tell them something wrong is happening. The clock stop. The clock stops. There's the bad smell. Yes. The dog dies. There are inexplicable bruises on the woman. She thinks she has an iron deficiency. And the little girl is sleeping and her foot gets pulled. So all that's of those things... That's the first thing that's obviously something happened here. All of those things happen 
very, very quickly, as soon as they move into the house. Right. It doesn't have the whole paranormal activity thing where it's like, hey, let's spend the first hour and 15 minutes just staring at nothing and then something moves. Yeah. So a lot of people might argue with me that paranormal activity was the first like spark of, hey, haunted houses are still scary. Sorry, that movie's not scary. And it's not. It really is. It's isn't. not scary at all. And I don't know how, I don't know why so many people think it's so scary. And we watched, we watched like the first four paranormal I've activities. I've seen all of them. I've seen all of them. Oh, okay. And the story the just gets one. dumber and dumber as it goes. Hey, it has a coven of witches in like the fourth one. It's true. But we're not going to watch it. <laughs> um, now, <coughs> having seen this movie several times, I started to notice things. There is a lot of exposition in this film. There are a lot of conversations that don't really make a lot of sense when you think about it, of them explaining who they are and what they do and... The Warrens? Yeah. Yeah. And... Well, so it starts out, there are actually two scenes where they're just in a classroom giving a presentation on demonology, Mm -hmm. which is weird. They really did do that. They were professors. That's crazy. And in one of them, the second one, which is further into the movie, when the mom, parent finally goes to find them where Elaine Warren is like the real Elaine Warren is sitting in the audience. You, you just get to see her. You don't, if you don't know it's her, you don't see her. Uh, But she's actually in the movie for a little bit. Oh yeah. They, they talked to them. They had them come to the set and they met with them. And And the family as well. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And if you do research on Ed and Lorraine Warren, you'll find that they just kind of decided in their early 20s that they were demonology experts. Yes. They they were perfectly normal people, got married, and all of a sudden it was like, hey, we know all about ghosts and shit. And you know what? Who am I to judge? For all I know, they could be real right. ghost hunters. And, but-, and, but because Ed, I get the feeling that because Ed has worked with churches in the past, he considers himself like the most renowned non-member of the church to deal with exorcisms or whatever it is that they say in the movie. It's all self-proclaimed stuff. So right off the bat, I will let you guys know, I don't believe in any of it. I think it's all hooey. Kelsey, how about you? Hauntings. Well, we, we've said this before. I don't believe it because I've That's, never seen it. That was ghosts. This is hauntings. Oh, whatever. <laughs> I don't, I've never seen it. If I saw it, I would totally buy it right off the bat. Like, like you demons, ha- You would not have to sell me on it. But I've never seen anything that makes me think that it's real. So right. Also, this is another typical story where... They can't move out because all of their money is tied up in the house. Well, I think they also add on to that. I don't think I know. They also add on to that. It's attached to them. It's it's attached to the family. See, so, they say that later, and I actually I have a note about that, but I'll have to find it. But there, I have something to say about that. Yeah. So we'll come so back to I'll, that. well, I'll talk to it. You find it. It's just like in Insidious where they do move. Where Patrick Wilson has that great line, I moved houses for you. That's from Insidious. Yeah. So he has that really great line, but it still follows them because it's attached to the son. Whereas in this, it's attached to the entire family and it gives them a good explanation as to why they can't move out. Here was my note. So I wrote down, they say specifically that it's the house that needs to be exercised and cleansed. Well, Lorraine and I both feel uh, that what your house needs is a cleansing an exorcism. Yeah. Which makes no sense because the ghost is attached to the family. We have to get out of here. I'm afraid that's not going to help. I've been seeing the dark entity that haunts your house. And it doesn't matter where you go. This dark entity has latched itself to your family 
and it's feeding off you. It's an inconsistency, but you know what? I don't care. Okay. I think it's an easily ignorable one. So back to the clapping game. The clapping game is very, very well done. The clapping in the wardrobe is so creepy. And before she goes in, so she's looking for her youngest daughter at this point, the mom, and she's playing the game. Obviously, the ghost is messing with her. But as she goes into the wardrobe, she says, I can hear you breathing. I'm going to get you now. breathing yeah and that's really creepy because yeah. it's the ghost that she can hear breathing which reminded me of a story about my dad and how when they were just they they're married and they were living in this huge house that was being paid for by his work and my ba- my brother was a baby my mom told my dad i think someone's in the house I don't remember why something happened, but she thought that somebody was in the house and she said it was in one of the rooms that they just weren't using. Like I said, it was a huge house. Uh-huh. My dad went into the into the room and said he could hear someone breathing, but he couldn't see anything because there was no lights in the room. Spooky. And he, he walked around. He said he didn't find anybody, didn't see anything. So he thought it must just be my imagination. Next day, they wake up to find all of their, you know, cheap 80s electronics stolen. Mm-hmm. So a thief was in there in the room. So that just reminded me of that story. That's really creepy. Yes. See, now that's creepy that there was somebody actually in there. Yes. When her leg is being grabbed the second time. Yeah. It looked really real. Like, it looked like somebody was grabbing it. James Wan, he does a really good job of that kind of stuff. Also, at that point, nobody believes the sister. Like, they're all like, oh, you were just dreaming. But hello, the other sister totally was there when the door slammed shut for no good reason. Draft. It was a draft. You can explain it away. When it happens and it's isolated, you can explain it away. Also, the Conjuring series sure loves things that hang on the walls and making them fall and stuff, because they do it in the second one, too, with all the crosses, remember? Yes, yeah. In this one, it's a bunch of frames that keep falling. Well, and the crosses fall. In the, <laughs> the in crosses the, fall. In the second one, they all turn upside down. So, at one point, the mother thinks that someone is in the house. She thinks it's a robber, and I can't remember why. Oh, because the kids are all asleep and she hears clapping. So she thinks that someone is in the house. And she goes after and she doesn't grab a weapon. That shit always pisses me off. If I thought someone was in the goddamn house, I would grab something. Something to defend myself with, but she gets nothing. Why isn't the dad there? That's another thing that's very odd. He's a truck driver and he's supposed to be on a route at that point. Mm-hmm. And then he randomly comes home. No, no, no. A week passes. They did not. No, 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 no. Absolutely. I was actually feeling really good about their explanation because it gives a good reason why he would be gone overnight for several days so things can escalate pretty heavily by the time he comes back. And then he comes back and he can just be home all the time because he doesn't have a job. Like, it, I, I think that was a pretty good explanation of... of why the whole family can be there at the same time and why things can escalate because this is one of those families where as resourceful as the mom is, it's the the dad that's like supposed to be the one that's, that's supposed to like protect them. It's the seventies, you know? Um, but the mom's the one who actually goes and finds Ed and Lorraine speaking about Ed and Lorraine a little bit more. They have a room in their house where they keep all the haunted stuff, the stuff that should be fine but they can't destroy because it might release the spirit and better, I forget the line he says, but it's better that it's in there with them than out, out in the world. Well, the way I see it is it's safer for these things to be in here than out there. It's kind of like keeping guns off the street. Well, why not just throw them in an incinerator? 
destroy it. But I would only destroy the vessel. Sometimes it's better to keep the genie in the bottle. Yeah, so you don't want to get rid of the conduit because then you just be releasing the spirit. Right, and I thought it was a really neat idea. Again, I think James Wan kind of testing the waters. He could make a movie out of any of the things in that room and continue to make Ed and Lorraine Warren movies on and on and on, or even like a TV show where they do a different haunting each episode or something like that. I think that'd be pretty neat. I personally want to know what was up with that haunted samurai armor. That was pretty cool. But you actually, you skipped. So we were still, when I want to go back to when she's looking for the person in the house, Mm -hmm. she hears something in their basement that they have. Why the fuck would you go down there? She didn't. Yes, she did. She goes down half the stairs and then Uh she says, I'm going to lock you in. I wouldn't even go in. I would just lock the fucking door. Mm, Okay. Um, and then she gets pushed but down. it leads to the really creepy want to play cl- want to play hide and clap and then the kid and then hands clap behind her. It's really scary. Yeah. Uh-huh. When I saw it in the theaters, I screamed. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, absolutely. Hey, want to play hide and clap? <laughs> that was really fun hearing you scream in, in a silent movie theater, and then people kind of chuckle afterwards. It's adorable. <laughs> also, when she's in there. Like, she lights one match at a goddamn time. Why wouldn't you be Everyone does this the, the whole entire movie. The dad did that earlier in the movie, too. Um, okay. Also, um, when the, uh, the clock stops and the fact that it gets really cold, all of that is very reminiscent of Amityville Horror, which is another, uh, mm. thing that the Warrens were involved in. So in this case, and we'll get to the Amityville Horror at the end, in this case... They have no idea. Like, what, what? what's the reason why the place is haunted? Can you, do you remember? Yes. So a woman lived there in the 1800s and she gave birth to a kid and then she sacrificed it and then killed herself in the name of Satan. Yes. And she put a curse on the land. If anyone came and lived on her land, they'd be cursed. And how her. does that curse manifest itself? Mothers killing their children. Usually. No, every time. No, the, ner- the maid killed herself. Right, no, then they kill themselves. Oh, but the maid didn't have a kid. Are you sure she didn't kill the kid that she was taking care of? No, that then... was the aunt that killed okay. her yeah, yeah. nephew. But, but that's the theme, is that women killing children and then killing themselves, and that's what's going to happen to Andrea Perone, per- Perrin. Sorry. And you may ask yourself... Well, how did I get here? This is, I thought this was pretty interesting. You may ask yourself, oh, how do they not know that so many people died in and around their property. But apparently in the state of Rhode Island, there is no requirement to disclose the history of a location's criminal activity. Well, also she acts like it was difficult to find all this information, but then she has tons of information right away. And I'm like, where did that all come from? And she has pictures and shit and it makes no sense. Elaine. Yeah. Um, speaking of pictures, there is a picture that they reference multiple times of the family at the beach it is such a poorly done picture. It looks so fake. Oh, yeah. I remember when we first saw that. I thought the same thing. But the idea is it's supposed to be kind of up close and you can't really tell where they are. <laughs> and then she knows they're at the beach. Right. So Lorraine Warren, the woman who plays her, Farmiga. Vera Farmiga. Vera Farmiga. She's really good with kids. Every time she talks to a kid, she seems really genuine. I love her so much. And like everything that she's in, her little sister... 
Thaisa Farmiga. Thaisa Farmiga is an American Horror Story and a few other things. A movie that we really want to see and we'll probably review in the near future, The Last Girls, which came out a few years ago. She plays the main character. Yes, and the music is so good in this movie. She's a great actress. Patrick Wilson is a great actor. It's just a really good there's, movie. There's so much really good about it. I even, over time... I forget that the dad is played by the guy from Office Space because that's usually all I can think about whenever I see him. <laughs> so I don't know. It's he must have done a good job because he got past that barrier in my brain. Also, I love that they call the the ghost when they're they're looking around the house. They're just like, oh, it's not. It's good. It's not violent yet. I'm like, uh, what about the daughter being attacked by the lady on top of the wardrobe? That was pretty violent, I would say. Speaking of violence, we talk about how. This isn't a torture porn movie. It's it's very classic. It does scares through uh, ambiance and simple events. The film has no sex, no nudity, very little profanity, very little violence, like mostly bloodless. There's no smoking, very little alcohol, but it got an R rating. Just because of how scary it was? Yes. That's awesome. Apparently, the MPAA told them that there is nothing you can cut. You can literally not cut this down to PG-13. It is just too frightening. It's just too intense. Which, hey, that's that says something, right? Like, that's that's really good. It is, it is very scary. And James Wan says that he wanted to give it, like, the 70s feel, obviously, since it takes place in the 70s. And so he tried to, tried to do, like, the cinematography and atmosphere like it's the 70s. It's okay. I mean, long shots, oners were really big in the 70s. Like, we talked about the intro to the house. I would say if you're looking for a movie that looks like it was filmed in the 70s, I'd see Ouija Origin of Evil. Super good. Very good. A lot better than the original Ouija movie. Oh, yeah. Origin of Evil is a prequel and it takes place in the past. And unfortunately, because it was a prequel, they had to make the ending work. Fit with the, which with, sucks. Yeah, it does suck. It's the worst <laughs> part of the movie is the ending. Um, but... It does a lot of really cool things. There's some film grain. It does the cigarette burns in the corner. It does a lot of stuff that makes it really feel like a 70s movie. So if you're looking for, for a movie that does that, I would recommend Ouija Origin of Evil. But still, I mean, it's a great effort, I guess, by James Wan. And continuing on with James Wan, apparently, this is really dumb. This is a story. He adopted a new puppy. And while he was writing the script, the puppy just started staring at a supposedly empty side of the room and began to growl aggressively. Juan stated that his dog's head then followed something all across the room, but he didn't see anything. My comment to that is, our cat did that today. <laughs> like, pets just do that, man. They're following a bug or something that you can't see. It's okay. He also works with the composer a lot. You said earlier that the music was really good. The composer is Joseph Bashara, and he composed. He did the the music for Insidious, I believe. Insidious, not Insidious Two, or vice versa. But he was also Bathsheba, the woman who sacrificed her child and killed herself in the name of Satan. She was really scary. That was the composer for the film, Joseph Bashara, and he also played the lipstick face demon. And Insidious. Of course he did. Yeah. He, he does that a lot where he gets like men to play these these uh, creepy women. Same thing happens in Insidious 1 and 2 with the bride character. So once they are there, they're looking all over the place and then things start to happen. Mm -hmm. 
And at one point, they're looking for something. I think it's the daughter has gone missing. And they need the UV light to look for her footprints. And if you look at the room, the only goddamn place she could possibly have gone to was the fucking wardrobe. You needed the UV light to lead you into the wardrobe, right. seriously. But they had a really cool effect with that. When he touches the wall and he finds the empty wall, he takes his hand away. And you see his handprint was right there. Like, that was that was pretty neat. Also, then um, Lorraine falls through the wall and she just gets up. Nothing is broken. She's perfectly fine. She falls really far. Two, three stories, something like that. Because she's on the second floor. Mm -hmm. She falls into the basement, but I feel like even lower than the basement. It's like, I don't know. It was no, it's weird. the basement. It's the basement. Okay. But like, she just gets up like, I'm fine. I'm good. Yeah. Mm -hmm. There's a really, she's, so she's in like under the floorboards and stuff. And like this big fat lady who killed her nephew is down there. And you're just watching her and she does this really scary slow turn. It's really good. Yeah. It's a really creepy movie. So do you have any major topics to talk about before we move into the lightning round? Because I do. Just a lot of things that just didn't really make a lot of sense. Um, at the end, April keeps hiding. And it's like, why would you keep hiding when they're just trying to get you into safety? And that ends up leading to the mother being able to grab her again and try yeah, to kill her again. Uh, That's all it was used for. She's a little girl and she's scared. And how the fuck did she get under the floorboards? They don't explain that. He has to... Through the, the wardrobe. That takes a path through the wall all the way down. But no, she's under the floorboards in the uh, in the foyer. She's not down in the basement. That's where Lorraine falls to. Right, but she can get there from there. I don't know. I don't, I'm just trying to rationalize it. Sorry. Also, at one point, the the mom is strapped to a chair and she goes up in the air and then she turns over and I'm like watching it. And I'm like, okay, she would go straight down and she'd be fucking dead. Doesn't happen. Yeah. She falls and somehow doesn't get hurt. Uh, okay. We have a lot of that in a lot of these movies where where women will fall very far distances that should kill them and then it doesn't. Yeah. But that's about it. I, I love this movie. So go right. ahead. Before we get into the lightning round, I'd like to talk about the fact that this is the first movie we have with an exorcism. So I looked up the exorcism. There are a lot of things that end up in rituals religious rituals like weddings and exorcisms not to closely equate those two things but a lot of the a lot of the verses that you hear quoted aren't necessarily in the bible and specifically the exorcism stuff is absolutely not so the power the, of christ compels you yeah the united states conference of catholic bishops uh, has this information on their website i went and looked it up awesome the verses come from the ritual of exorcisms and certain supplications it's an 84-page document of the Catholic Church describing the rite of exorcism. Did you find out when it was made? No, I don't know when it was originally made. But I it would was, love to know that. It was revised on January 26, 1998. Of course it was. Making it the last liturgical book to be revised following the Second Vatican Council of 1962 to 1965. So it's the most up-to-date religious document, <laughs> religious text. The priest says when they're performing an exorcism... The priest says, I command you, unclean spirit, whoever you are, along with all your minions now attacking this servant of God, by the mysteries of the incarnation, passion, resurrection, and ascension of our Lord Jesus Christ, by the descent of the Holy Spirit, by the coming of our Lord for judgment, that you tell me by some sign your name and the day and hour of your departure. I command you, moreover, to obey me to the letter. I, who am a minister of God despite my unworthiness, 
Nor shall you be emboldened to harm in any way this creature of God, or the bystanders, or any of their possessions. Depart then, transgressor. Depart, seducer, full of lies and cunning, foe of virtue, persecutor of the innocent. Give place, abominable creature. Give way, you monster. Give way to Christ, in whom you found none of your works. For he has already stripped you of your powers and laid waste your kingdom, bound you prisoner, and plundered your weapons. He has cast you forth into the outer darkness, where everlasting ruin awaits you and your abettors. So nothing to do with Christ compels you? No. (laughs) (laughs) But how intense is that? But mm-hmm. it, it feeds into the fact that if you know the demon's name, you can you can have power over it. That's a, a common occurrence in exorcisms. Well, it's in The Exorcist. He, yeah. he mm-hmm. wants to know his name really badly. But they don't really talk about that in this movie. No, they don't get there. It, it's important to mention, this happened, I mean, if you believe it, it really happened in 1971, which was two years before The Exorcist came out. So... You have to understand that it's not like they saw The Exorcist and were like, hey, let's do an exorcism because everyone believes in that. Now the movie's out. The movie was not out. Right. This isn't something that people talk about. It's not something that like, hey, you think about exorcisms a lot? You don't do that. So that at least gives a little bit more credit, right? No. Okay. People fake shit all the time. Okay. (laughs) I don't believe them. They're not very believable. All right. Lightning round. Do you have any one-off things to say i've pretty much hit all my marks all right then i will say a few things okay at one point the warrens visit a house that where the homeowners think that it's possessed and i think to lend credence to who they are and what they say and that they're not just trying to turn everything into a haunting so they can solve the problem and get famous for it which by the way they did write books they they did make money off of this which even if it was real i would do that too yeah she does say at one point there's in quotes usually always there's usually always some kind of rational explanation so this place isn't haunted no it rarely is yeah there's usually always some kind of rational explanation she's saying that most of the time it's nothing it's the pipes are making a weird noise and that's what's making you think that the place is haunted so I thought that that was a really neat touch. They do it in the second one as well. The first thing that they show is that a little girl was doing something to mess with her parents. I don't remember it anymore. But yeah, so they do include that stuff to make them seem more credible. But what I think I know the most about is the Amityville Horror, because I've done a lot of research on it and I've read the book and stuff. Um, And... Even after a bunch of people, like, who were also supposedly super credible were like, no, this is not real. These people made this up. They continued to say, no, this was real. We saw it happen ourselves. Now, my problem with the whole... Deny, deny, deny. Well, my whole problem with that, with people being like, well, they're just denying. They're just trying to get out of it. If you believe in this shit, if you believe that ghosts are real and that things can get haunted, Uh you have to believe... That it's not going to show itself all the time. If it showed itself all the time, we would all fucking know. Right. So it's only going to show itself at certain times. I'm not necessarily saying that they're liars. So much as I'm saying, I don't believe that what they're saying happened, happened. Uh, However, especially with the Amityville Horror, and you know this, there were a lot of times where a review of the facts changed the circumstances, made some of the things that they said were true unable to be true, 
and then they revise their story and it's just it's just a little too convenient and memory messes with people the fact that you're creeped out by something messes with people your own personal beliefs it messes with people so i would like to do more research on this actual story because i mean who the fuck are we to be like no that didn't happen to you and it's just like it did <laughs> My wife was possessed. I watched her. That's who we are. We're the audience. Like, you can't just say nobody can say anything didn't happen. It's like, well, then what's any judgment ever? I know. I'm just... I hate to do that. I hate to be like, no, you're a liar. That didn't happen. It's just like, it did. Like, I don't know what else to say. Right. I mean, because you're putting yourself in their shoes where if something weird happened to you, you'd be going through the same thing and how frustrating. And I have had things happen to me in my life. That people have told me, no, that didn't happen to you. Right. Mm -hmm. And I'm just like, fuck you. It did happen. And people choose to believe what they choose to believe. That's the way my brother would argue with me when we were little. I would say something and he'd just go, no, that's not true. And then that's all the argument would be. And I'd be like, well, what what am I supposed to do with that? Like, yeah. So I can understand how that would be really frustrating. But still, I, I personally don't believe them. Speaking of the Amityville Horror, the movie ends with them talking about how the bishop who was going to get them their exorcism approval but it wasn't fast enough, had a case to discuss with them in Long Island. The Vatican approved the exorcism. (laughs) Nice timing. And if we can, then he'd like to meet with us tomorrow. Uh, There's a case in Long Island he'd like to discuss. Really? That's the Amityville Horror. So, waka waka. And actually, in the second film, now remember, I've only seen the second film once. I didn't. I didn't think it was nearly as good. Right. It was Um, good, but it wasn't nearly as good. But they do have a moment where the girl is shown to be, like, at that moment, to be making shit up. Mm -hmm. And the Warrens are just like, why would you do that? Like, you, you make us seem like we're not credible, and we believe you, and we're trying to help you. Why would you make stuff up? And she's like, well, no one believes me, so I made it up. To get people to believe what really happened. Mm-hmm. And that, I mean, that adds to my whole spiel about the fact that I hate when people just say, no, didn't happen. Mm-hmm. So I think it's pretty safe to say, personally, none of this exorcist shit is real. <laughs> that being said, Kelsey, none of it's real. <laughs> I love you. None of it's real. Okay, so here's another funny story for you about my family. I don't remember what movie it was, but I was watching some movie with my mom. Yeah. And it's about a little girl, and crazy shit is happening to her, and her mom's just like, nope, don't believe you, you're a liar, and all this shit. I remember this story. Okay, go ahead. And I turn to my mom, and I'm like, mom, if I was acting this way, if I was saying this stuff was happening, would you believe me? She's like, no. I'm like, wait a minute. Being a rational adult, she said no. I was like, Mom, like, in the movie, we know that this is actually happening to the girl and no one believes her. And even though we're watching this right now, you're telling me that if I were to tell you this stuff was happening, you wouldn't believe me. And she just goes, no. I'm like, oh my god. Were we in the same situation, she wouldn't have the same confirmation that the audience has that the events are real. Of course she wouldn't believe you. What, is she going to say, yes, I believe you because I saw it in a movie once? No, because I'm your daughter. Yeah, well, kids say shit sometimes. <laughs> My last, that was supposed to be a lightning round item and it totally wasn't. I only have one last thing to say. Why is Lorraine doing their laundry? 
I understand. Maybe she's, she's helping, helping them because right. the woman, the mom, is taking a nap. Right, 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 right. Fine, I'm fine with that. Ed works on the car. You're I'm just totally to fine help with a that. No, no, no. Out. I get it, but that leads. It was just the first question I had. There was no like. At least Ed had a statement where he was like, "Hey, look, you know what? Hey, what's what's up with that car?" And um, and then it was. Hey, I think I'm going to help him with the car. And so there's like a lead up. Then just all of a sudden, Lorraine's working on, on the laundry. And what is she working on? White sheets. Yeah. They're fucking linens. Does everyone do all the linens in their entire house at the same time? When you have a family that big, you probably do. Yeah, but there are more sheets than they have beds. Not when you eat. They have five girls. Uh-huh. That's five separate beds. Plus yeah. theirs. That's six beds. There was like a dozen sheets out there. And she had a bunch. It was creepy. It's always sheets hanging outside. Because the sheet flies away. Uh, no. And that has one of the coolest moments in the movie. It's very cool. There's the clap moment, which is really cool. And then there's the, oh, the storm winds. And she's trying to take down the sheets. And then one of them flies off. And it catches like it's on somebody. And it shows the outline of a person. And then it just floats away. It floats up to the Up to the room window, where she sees a person. And then it flies away. And then we see a person yeah, standing yeah, yeah. in the window. That was really cool and really well done, James Wan. You can get some shit right sometimes. You've made some movies that I really, really enjoy. This being one of them. Yes. So, that being said, what do you think this movie got in Rotten Tomatoes? I would guess a solid 88. 86? Real close. I think uh, I think this is pretty spot on. What about you? Overrated, underrated? This is always hard for me because these movies mean a lot to me and they're very, very good. And mm-hmm. I mean, I can think of a couple things that are wrong with it, but not a lot. So you think maybe underrated a little bit? Slightly underrated? Slightly underrated. Yeah, I, I think it's pretty spot on, but I can see saying it's slightly underrated. I'd probably give it an 89. Yeah. Yeah, probably. Something like that. I'd, I'd Unprompted, without hearing what you had to say, I'd probably give it an 85, 87, something like that. Yeah, it's it's legitimately a solid horror movie and it's one of the best modern horror movies that we have out here if you're going to make a pretty long list it'll it'll be up there with the top horror movies so yes good all right Kels, that was 2013's the conjuring and that's the end of the episode what are we watching next time we're doing a double feature of friday the 13th the old and the new we have not seen the new one so that will be us going are you in sure blind. If we have seen it, we do not remember it at right. all. <laughs> mm-hmm. We've seen all these, all the horror movie franchises. We make a point to watch all of them. And so we've seen all the we've seen Friday all the of the Friday the 13th movies. So this, 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 <laughs> the next episode is not going to, is not even going to be close to going up on Friday the 13th, but we're doing it this year because there's a Friday the 13th in October, which is really, really great. So I'm really excited about it. I, it, there's no way it's going to be as good as the original. It's not my favorite horror movie series, but I just, I get feelings of Halloween about it. You know what I mean? Where the remake's going to be bad. A modern remake around the same time, it's probably going to be bad. Probably. Anyway, so thank you for joining us on Pod Cemetery. My name is Chris. My name is Kelsey. If you like the podcast, please go ahead and subscribe and rate it. And most importantly, share it with people that you know and love. And you know, people that you hate. And just share it with everybody. And as we say at the end of every episode of Pod Cemetery, Witches work with magic! <laughs> that was so good.
Welcome to Pod Cemetery, where we dissect horror movies like the rotting corpses that they are. My name is Chris. My name is Kelsey. And our for our 